This is Eye on Health. Delving into your overall well-being. With Arab Health. On Dubai Eye 103.8. I'm Helen Farmer and you are listening to Eye on Health here on Dubai Eye 103.8. Brought to you by Arab Health and MedLab Middle East. This week we're talking about the future of healthcare. It's evolving at a rapid pace. The likes of artificial intelligence, 3D printing, robots. But what does that mean for you? And coming up on the 2nd of February, the Future Health Summit will be taking place at the Museum of the Future during Arab Health Week. The theme is Healthcare in the Metaverse, and it's a fully immersive event that explores the future of health, delving deep into the amazing possibilities of what healthcare can do in the metaverse. But is this growth in technology beneficial for healthcare workers and patients alike? And does this mean our next doctor's appointment might be in the metaverse? We're going to be exploring this and more on today's show. First up, we're speaking to Siddharth Shah, the Principal Consultant at Healthcare and Life Sciences at Frost & Sullivan. He's explaining how COVID not only changed, but also sped up the use of technology within the healthcare sector. The real-life applications of what might seem like distant dreams when it comes to the world of healthcare. And joining us now is a principal consultant of healthcare and life sciences at Frost & Sullivan. Stata Shah is with us, speaking to us from India. And I'm curious to get a bit of a read on the work that you guys do at Frost & Sullivan, because you are very much, and pardon the health pun, got your fingers on the pulse. Can you explain a little bit about what might be happening behind the scenes? Absolutely. So uh, thanks for having me here, first of all, Helen, and, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, at Frost & Sullivan, we are basically helping, you know, a lot of different kinds of companies from Fortune 1000 companies, governments, investors to literally understand uh, economic changes, navigate those, identify disruptive technologies as well across the landscape of the different industries, and then help them formulate new business models so that they can have a stream of like innovative growth opportunities. Uh, that's effectively what we do. We describe ourselves as a growth pipeline company. But by virtue of that, you can imagine that several of my colleagues and myself, we basically track the entire market, what's really happening, what's changing uh, from regulations and policy to market demands, and then the new technologies that are emerging, and how those can be applied, especially in healthcare. When we look at healthcare, I find it a particularly interesting area because, you know, there are literally lives at play. So I understand in some aspects an, an element of reluctance to innovate and try new technologies and you know sitting down with a patient and their family and saying hey we've got this brand new bit of kit do you want to be the first you know um, but also there is this this need to lean into some of the amazing advances and and thoughts and as you're saying kind of disruptive technologies as well so I find it a really interesting time especially coming off the pandemic and I wondered if you're able to explain a little bit around digital health and the impact that COVID-19 had on that space in particular Sid. You said it right. Like, you know, I think it's the most exciting time to be uh, in healthcare right now, especially in the digital health space. Uh, everybody is privy to what happened with the uh, pandemic and, you know, people lockdowns, people couldn't actually physically meet. Uh, and it's just not the patients. You've also got to convince doctors to adopt new technologies because healthcare, doctor is your decision maker, right? So you've got to have that both sides of those balanced out. Uh, but what's really changed is like, you know, we've seen there's a lot more comfort uh, for adoption of different, uh, you know, digital health technologies. Uh, Earlier, telehealth, for example, the concept of virtual video conferencing, even for healthcare, existed for over a decade already. But the pandemic literally changed that, right? People are suddenly now much more comfortable with that notion of connecting remotely with a doctor. Uh, the same is with doctors as well. So doctors and patients are now much more, uh, you know, agreeable and favorable to that concept. Uh, you also consider, you know, if there was a survey, I can talk about wearable devices. Uh, in May 2022, there was a survey which was conducted by uh, Cisco's 
AppDynamics subsidiary, and they found that 90% of UAE respondents uh, said that they were wanting to have wearable devices that could track heart rate, blood pressure monitors, and other vital signs. So that's a pretty good significant advantage you have. Like now people are more interested in having that. Uh, I could give you more statistics, but I, you know, probably would take a pause. <laughs> no, but I think about. that I, I think you've raised a couple of really interesting points there. One is gaining that trust in technology and that trust in that relationship dynamic between a patient and a doctor, and how it doesn't necessarily mean getting in your car, finding a car park space, having this appointment, and that being a chunk out of your day. It can be convenient on on both sides once that trust has been established in both the technology and in the individual. But in terms of mm-hmm. the wearables as well, what do you have on your wrist right now? Come on. To be honest, are you uh, well, uh, are you tracking your own data? I am. I do have an Amazfit right now, which I tracks everything that I do from heart rate and physical activity, which I think is the most important. And that's where they come in, right? From a wellness perspective, mm. really wanting to be more healthier. And I think we've all become a lot more comfortable with owning our data and feeling like we we want to be more connected to it. I mean, I've got to be honest, I'm going to hold up my wrist now and I've got an old school swatch on <laughs> after after tracking data for a, for a long time. I ended up finding it kind of quite counterintuitive, especially when it came to sleep. So I'm taking a bit of a step back. But it's interesting, the more mm-hmm. people I speak to, such as yourself and um, doctors, especially looking at longevity and anti-aging and functional medicine practitioners, everyone's saying, you know, knowledge is power. If you start to establish patterns or early warning signs, this is where prevention can can really um, play a huge, huge role in, yeah, exactly that. Plotting, plotting those numbers, getting those charts, and then having someone trusted in place to then talk them through. We're not talking about someone being fully independent as soon as you have a wearable. You're never going to need expert advice ever again. But those two things, I guess, working in parallel and you mentioned there that the rise of wearables in the region what else are we seeing people taking an interest in both from the consumer side you know such as me and everyone listening today but also from the institution side the doctor side where are where are they starting to get excited Sid? Fantastic question, then, Helen, because the digital health infrastructure uh, in the GCC region in general, right, there's uh, insights that are emerging, like there was a, in this year, early this year, there was an event, uh, the Emerge GHI Investment Forum, and they released some statistics, and it's very interesting that the digital health infrastructure on the institution side, which means your hospitals, the software they use, the clinics, etc., the investment in those has risen up to 1.2 billion US dollars, up from 0.5 billion dollars, and it's the trend for the next two years, actually. And that is a significant rise. And just for comparison, this is a 10 to 20% rise as compared to what it was before. Before it was 3 to 4%. So when you contrast the two, you realize that that's what's happening. And it's pretty much in line with what we are seeing globally as well. It's the trend that we call digital transformation Mm -hmm. of the hospital and the healthcare industry. Can I ask then, who is leading the way? Is there a a company or a country, um, even a specific city where you think, wow, okay, there are some pioneers there. Well, globally, it's uh, definitely you would see the US, uh, South Korea, Japan, you know, the regular developed countries that you would see. Uh, in the Saudi Arabian region, there's so many different small elements of this happening already, like uh, Abu Dhabi's uh, Department of Health, it's partnering uh, with some players. Uh, they, their own Malafi platform is trying to do, uh, you know, using the digitized records, trying to predict diseases before they occur and things like that. So there's a lot of different things in the UAE, especially I would say Abu Dhabi, as well as the Dubai Health Authority, both of them are doing fantastic work uh, in that space. Can I ask then about the opportunities for growth? And this can be 
people who perhaps are suffering with specific conditions or people who are listening with more of a business ear today and thinking, okay, investment opportunities, potential for innovation. If you kind of got your crystal ball out, Sid, where would you say that the smart money and the and the big thinkers are going to be going to be looking? There's a bunch of areas. You have got some of those areas already in the uh, in the space uh, in in the region where wearables, uh, virtual visits, and telehealth definitely still ongoing. Uh, and then subsets of virtual health, right? Mental health, for example. Uh, we see an Egyptian player, O7 Therapy, coming in. We've got uh, a chronic disease management. Blue Care Health in Dubai is actually one of the major players there as well. Uh, you've got women's health actually, and UAE is emerging as a regional hub for women's health. Mm-hmm. So those are the uh, major areas on the consumer facing front. On the back end, you have uh, what I don't see yet happening a lot in the region, but is going to be an emerging opportunity is healthcare cybersecurity. With all the kinds of connections and digital uh, you know, technologies, you definitely want to look at cybersecurity, right? And then you've got uh, other aspects of the infrastructure where there is a lot of automation and efficiency solutions, digital, of course, for hospitals and clinics, simply because we all know that uh, doctors and nurses are in short supply and they're facing burnouts as a, after the pandemic as well. Mm-hmm. So how can you really make their lives easier and automate as much as you can within the hospital clinic space, at least with the administrative burdens? So you're making their life easier and allowing them to focus more on just patient care. That's really interesting in terms of making sure their expertise is, is utilised on patient facing rather than paperwork I suppose exactly. and, and removing, removing those friction points but I'm really glad you mentioned cybersecurity there and because you know we you're talking about digitization of records and things being centrally held and that's been a big frustration for an awful lot of people for a long time you know I go and get an MRI on my knee and they give me a CD great I don't yeah. have any type of device that actually uses a CD player right now but you know if I go to a different doctor I want to go and see, see an orthopedic specialist to then be thinking about, okay, I've got to take the CD or I've got to then go into work and print off this MRI report or, you know, whatever that looks like. How realistic do you think it's going to be here in the UAE to have this centralised digital records um, in the next year, five years, ten years? In the next five years, it's definitely happening. But what's more interesting to me is it's also not just about the patient-facing side of things, right? Of course, you have the convenience, like you mentioned, of having your records digitally accessible from anywhere, even your smartphone for that matter, right? But at the other end of the story is like, you know, having the this anonymized pool of data that is very centric uh, of healthcare data for pharmaceutical companies, research entities to perform research and come up with the next set of innovations for clinical uh, trials mm-hmm. with pharmaceuticals, with devices, which is essentially going to guide you for your, uh, you know, personalized medicine type grants. So that's where we are really heading towards. And, you know, dare I say it, and hopefully not predicting the next pandemic, to be able to have, you know, mass data to think about fluctuating temperatures or, you know, whatever, heart rate, you know, all all these different things that can, can come when you, yes, you can, you can zoom in at your own particular records, but when there's people who are taking that kind of macro approach of, wow, what an opportunity exactly. to have this amount of information. And what are you most personally excited about, Siddhartha? What are you what are you really looking forward to getting to your teeth into or any companies that you think deserve a bit of a shout out? Well, uh, I already mentioned uh, Blue Care Health. Chronic disease management is something that's really close, especially for the Middle East, because the kind of prevalence of diabetes and hypertension, etc., is seen there is is phenomenal. So you really need those kinds of solutions. You have, uh, you know, Dr. Klein, uh, which is an insure tech company from the region, which because you know I read some statistic that they put out saying that uh, the physicians and clinicians in UAE get the reimbursements after for ninety percent of their claims after one hundred and thirteen days. So they sort of automated. Make 
make it faster, right? So you're trying to bring more liquidity into the system. So that's Personally, very well. excited about that. <laughs> yeah, I've, got, I've got many an insurance claim floating around my uh, <laughs> my car in my home. That <laughs> yeah, it's, it, absolutely. Let's remove the admin. Yeah. yeah, love it. And last one. And the last one would be radiology, artificial intelligence, and many several other artificial intelligence applications. These are coming in from abroad, from other international uh, you know, companies, but being brought in and deployed in the UAE as well, like Lunit.ai, which is a South Korean company, is being deployed in Dubai. So it's, it's quite an interesting time. It's a really interesting time, and it's great to get your take on this there at Frost & Sullivan. Thank you so, so much, Sadash Shah. It's been an absolute pleasure to get your take and uh, some of your predictions for the future. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful day ahead. Thanks a lot. Pleasure to be here. Up next, in conversation with Sophie Smith, she is the founder and CEO of Nabta Health. It specialises in personal health care for women, especially in emerging markets. She's going to be explaining how infertility is on the rise and how it could affect the future of our children in 20 years from now. Eye on Health with Arab Health on Dubai Eye 103.8.